You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back on Fox News. Okay. <laughs> Three black people just, um. just just talking about that evil Obama <laughs> and, and deadly Maxine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lewis is now black. You forgot yes. to mention that. Yes. Um, also, Ray is back. Hello. I'm actually black Lewis. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um, how's it going, everybody? Lewis is not in the building. I think this is the first time he's gone. Is it? It is. Yeah, he's he's been he's his attendance record has been sharp. Yeah, he is aiming for keep it valedictorian. <laughs> I don't know enough Oscar knowledge, so he's not gonna get replaced by me. At the very least. <laughs> That's a, we got Google. Google. It just yeah. won't, it won't be as quick, but yeah. we can get it. But we we can edit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, we yeah. can make it sound like we know a ton of Oscar knowledge. <laughs> yeah, didn't uh, Adrian Brody kiss Halle Berry? Right? Yeah. yeah, that yeah. was a good one. That was yeah. all I got. Well, we know a history of Oscar sexual assaults. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's the most important one. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of under-the-table ones, See, too. that is also why I do- he won for the piano. Mm-hmm. And then... Isn't it the, piano? The, piano? the pianist. The yeah. pianist. Anyway, he won for the pianist. And then that's why he was able to. He was able to kiss Hallie. That's why I don't like movies about pianos. (laughs) I've realized that now. Like it's like I had my aha moment in the therapy chair. That's why I don't like movies about pianos. That's why you're not going to take up the piano. (laughs) Well, also, you know, Holly Hunter won for the piano, and she took, you know, um, Angela Bassett's Oscar. So. Just, Fuck piano. I mean, then. Hallie took somebody's Oscar the year before, so it's a. You know what? I think payback. Hallie. I think Hallie earned that for Monsters she Ball. Did. She, she earned did. that. All right. She had to press her skin against Billy Bob. <laughs> right. Yeah. She, I'm. I'm weirdly attracted to him, so that doesn't bother me. All really, that much. you let him sling your blood? No, I would not let him sling my blood. You'd wear his blood around your neck. <laughs> I am not attracted to that voice. You'd wear the blood around your neck, no, like um, Angelina. And make out in the back of a limousine and tell everyone we just fucked. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And then kiss my brother. <laughs> uh, well, some other news that Lewis would have been excited to talk about is Janet Jackson and Stevie Nicks were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Stevie twice. Like, she's already been inducted as an artist. Yeah. Right. Uh, so this now is for a songwriter. Yeah. Stevie, congrats. Janet showed up looking excellent. Excellent. Yes. Ready to cast a spell. She did. Yeah. <laughs> she was honoring Stevie, too. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, also told the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that they need to put more women. Sure do. Into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. It took this long for Shorty to get in. Yeah. Like, Janet has been in the game for a hot, 
a hot minute. Can we also like I know it's I know it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and it's not like explicitly rock and roll. I feel like that name we need to expand a bit because it makes it seem weird when I'm like, why is Jan- Janet Jackson doesn't make rock and roll? Also, nobody <laughs> is making rock and roll anymore. Um, Black Cat is the greatest rock record ever made. I mean, okay. Right. Do you think that's what that's that's all she got the award for? I mean, better watch your step or you're going to die. <laughs> I think Together Again <laughs> is the reason. Together Again is what yes, got her out. the remix to I Get Lonely with Blackstreet. Definitely Teddy Riley <laughs> got her into yes. the rock and roll. But then you're like, and now she's in the rock and roll. <laughs> or by process of elimination being the most sane member of the Jackson family. <laughs> is, she? is she? No. Mm. What's Reeby up to? <laughs> I don't know. She might. might Glad her dad is dead. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Congratulations, Janet. Good job, girl. You're a queen. And also, Stevie was inducted by Harry Styles. (laughs) Wait, what? uh, Yes. I mean, they they, they forged a friendship, apparently. They've sang together before. But she don't even know the name. But she, she thought he was in NSYNC. I was going to say, One Direction, <laughs> they're not a group anymore, right? No, they haven't no. been for years. They only lasted for like three years. Yeah. Wait, she but they thought put Harry out Styles? 50 albums. She thought he was, she doesn't know what band he's in? She, she mistakenly said NSYNC. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> when you're Stevie Nicks, you get to forget who NSYNC is. But it's also the the gap between those two, <laughs> it's like decades. When you're Stevie Nicks, everyone under 60 is, looks the is same insane. Do you think she even remembers being on American Horror Story? I don't think so. Harry Styles. You it's know, like, if he's I'm, not a Supreme, she doesn't know. He's <laughs> young. He's young. He was, a, he was an NSYNC. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't even look close to anybody in one of those groups. It's insane. <laughs> he looks more 98 degrees, if you ask me. If you're going to mm. mess he, up anybody. He would be more of a 90. Yeah. If we just sort of like cut his hair a yeah, little bit a little and bit. did the gel up thing. Mm-hmm. Made him a very Jersey Shore looking type dude. Yeah. Well, you know, he's British. So, you know, maybe like a BB Mac, you know, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. a, a five. <laughs> Weren't they Irish? Five. What if she'd been like, ugh. Harry Styles, I loved you at five when the lights go out is my jam. Maybe she thought maybe she thought he was a spice girl, just like, oh, baby cut her hair or something like that. Oh. Maybe mm. she was real. <laughs> maybe after Mel B revealed. Yeah. Mel, she had yeah. to shave her head and go into hiding or whatever. <laughs> I'm Harry Styles now. That's my British accent. You happy? Uh. Well, Congrats, Janet and Stevie. Yeah. Stevie again. Wow. Um, (laughs) Later in the show, we'll talk to Damon Young about his new book, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker. When we're back, we're going to talk about Lil Nas X and country music. In this edition of Country Music, Ben Racist, Lil Nas X's viral country trap hit, Country Trap. <laughs> Sounds like Nelly. Oh, God. The greatest country artist of all time. Uh, Lil Nas X's viral hit has been removed from Billboard's Hot Country Songs chart. Uh, in a statement released to Rolling Stone, Billboard removed the song and informed Lil Nas X's label, Columbia Records, that they included his record by mistake 
Many are calling the record a parody, and both the country world and the hip-hop world are having trouble trying to categorize the song into one specific genre. Uh, Lil Nas X has said that he does not see the song as a parody. Just because Old Town Road has funny lines doesn't mean it's a parody. It has a theme, and anybody with ears can tell I put some kind of effort into that song. <laughs> some kind. Some, some kind. Not his best effort, <laughs> but some kind of it. You're <laughs> 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 not really acquitting yourself there, homie. He did not shatter every window <laughs> till it was all blown away. He just shattered one. <laughs> you know, I want to know more about this quote-unquote mistake. Yeah. Like I don't I don't fully understand how Billboard works, especially in a world where who's listening to the radio? Like it's all it's like YouTube plays and streaming mm-hmm. and things like that. But like how you include it on accident doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It seems like they included it and then changed their mind after the fact. Probably got a lot of pressure from racist ass country influencers, <laughs> like powerful people in the industry. I mean Who are country influencers? And they're on Instagram. Yes. They're you Taylor Swift. <laughs> you know the thing that's interesting is like I don't I only know the name of the one dude Kane. Yeah. Something. Kane Brown. There are some black country mm-hmm. artists. Oh, Darius Hootie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, they're, they let Beyonce come to the Country Music Awards. Um, and we're not on board until she sang the line Second Amendment. Then they were like, we love Beyonce. <laughs> they were but, but they, like, they've, like, he's not, like, the first black, all that to say, he is not the first black person to try to, like, get into country music in that way. So it's a little weird that, like, this is the one that they've decided to, you know what I mean? Because, like, it sounds like a country song mm-hmm. for the most part other than that. Mm-hmm. The trap he is a yeah, like the tr- the Bond. beat drums. Yeah, I think yeah. people really got upset about this one just because the this long ass running country song, alleged country song that's been number one for like I think like fifty weeks or something was meant to be that BB Rexa Florida Georgia Line song, mm-hmm. which is. Not a country country. song. I mean, they still are putting (laughs) Taylor Swift on country charts. That girl hasn't made country music since she was 16 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. And country artists who are white can essentially make pop songs. And they'll still be on the country charts and the pop charts. And I mean, how many times did Kid Rock get on like the hip hop charts? charts. Absolutely. And that shit was not hip hop. I know. Even though (laughs) Bow with the Bow did slap. (laughs) What? No. Come on. The bang, the bang boogie. Don't get me started because I do know the lyrics. But no. <laughs> I definitely voted for that on TRL back in the day. Also, I like I like Lil Nas X's little country yeah, song. I was it's like, good. this is like a it's fun. Yeah. I think too, I think there's an element of because he's being funny, they I feel like they think they're being made fun of, the country mm-hmm. establishment or whatever, and they're rejecting that probably more like vehemently than they would if it were a white person who making that funny song. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think it's like tons of racism, but also people being super self-serious as well. Right. Like, you cannot invade our very, very serious country songs. Like, it's it's territorial, it's unfair, it's bogus. And poor guy, like, he tried. He put some kind of effort in. <laughs> so it's like, why give him this, like, accolade and then remove his accomplishments on, like, who threatened... I want to know who has the power to threaten Billboard, like, make Billboard move like that. I'm very... 
It just feels like you guys probably. Hank Williams. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It feels like they messed up by putting him on the chart anyway, and like that's your bad. You know what it. I mean? You should have just like never put him on the chart, and then it would have been whatever. It's like that's what I don't like. Like if you were gonna just reject the song from the jump because you don't like it, it's a parody, whatever, fine. Mm-hmm. But like, there's music tied. There's right. money tied to being number one. Yeah. Absolutely. So now you're fucking up the kids. This kid's money because you. I think have changed your mind I, about it. You think that Billboard changed their mind? I feel like there must have been pressure. Well, no, but but still, I mean, all that just they mm-hmm. did. Even if there was pressure, they changed their mind. Right, right. So it's just, but they put it on initially. That's mm-hmm. why I don't believe that this was a mistake. That doesn't make any damn sense to right, me. Right. Like it, like an algorithm is deciding. Like, <laughs> and you didn't notice Billboard. You, you didn't, didn't notice? notice it got to number one, yeah. and you didn't notice right. that you didn't think it was a country song until it hit number one. That's what I think is bullshit. Maybe it was a pink, a reverse pink situation. They thought he was white from his voice. And then they were like, oh, wait, this is a nigga. <laughs> well, we let her. We let her have it. Well, we did because we're black and we're forgiving. <laughs> but also, do you remember when Beyonce, so she performed at the Country Music Awards, but when she tried to submit Daddy Issues at the Grammys. Lessons. I mean, the Grammys are on. Daddy some, Lessons. Daddy Lessons. Um the Grammys are stupid anyway, but um, they tried to, she tried to submit the song for a country award and they rejected her. They oh. did. And then. Although to be fair, I will say that song is Zydeco and I know that nobody knows that. Only for the for the people in Louisiana listening to this song, you all know what Zydeco is. <laughs> um, I but know that, what Zydeco is. But that's like. I that's listen to really... Zydeco while I eat my Zatarant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never talking to you again. Yeah, as a... Listen. (laughs) Guys, we're breaking up with Ira right now. You gotta go. On behalf of everyone in Louisiana and people with family from Louisiana like me, we reject Ira. I apologize on his behalf for that nonsense. Solange is gonna disown you. (laughs) Whatever. I was haunted on Bourbon Street. By what? Uh, Like a premonition. What is this proving? <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I, I felt like, you know, a spirit when I was in New Orleans. What is this proving? I was just saying that, like, the city, you know, already it's had It's not some, just the city. This is what I'm saying. You think New Orleans is, New it, Orleans is one city in Louisiana. It is, there's a larger area, the parishes, like, that all are, the that places are, he yeah, there are all the other places where well, they're. Well, I thought they would have probably would have been stronger in Baton Rouge as well. Okay. You know, two, you know, two cities. Congratulations. <laughs> Keep it moving. Shreveport. Little, little Nas X. All the big cities in Louisiana till you get to Kara's hometown. Till you get to Kara's my mom, people. My, mom, my mom's people. He, he will never get there. I can tell you that right now. That's a small town. I'm from a small town in the South originally. Tiptonville. Enough talking from. about Ira. So little Nas X. Homie, I hope you get your money. I hope you... I hope they, I don't know what's going to happen. They're not laying him back on that chart. So. Well, he did perform at that NBA game for <laughs> uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. So shout out to him. At least he's getting some recognition. We mess with you, even if country don't. I was actually, the person I was the maddest at was someone named Danny Kang, who is a co-manager of Mason Ramsey, that little yodeling white boy. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> he said um, that the Lil Nas X was strategic in positioning the record as country in order to manipulate the algorithm to push his track to the top of the charts. It was like, but no one cared when, like, your little white yodeler was yodeling (laughs) over a trap beat. Right. I mean, look, 
this that's bogus. And this person is clearly somebody who's like trying to keep his little viral like right. sensation in the news. Let's but, talk about Mason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, of course, you had to insert your Mason Dixon line, whatever, into like <laughs> into this conversation about this black boy doing country. It's haterific. I feel bad for the man. I hope he finds other ways to get his coins. And if they think you're making fun of them, actually make fun of them for real now. They're haters. They deserve it. You should make fun of them and and also just release a whole ass country record. Right. Because yeah. when we do country, it tends to be better. Ray Charles made a whole bunch of country songs yeah. sound better mm-hmm. when he re-recorded them. And I mean, listen, unless you are Reba or Bonnie <laughs> Raitt, um, like, well, I'm I, not even fucking with you anyway. I will say too, it is <laughs> smart for him to make country music because it is hard to get on the hip-hop track. Like, hip-hop is the most popular music Mm -hmm. right now, so it's like, he's got a lot of damn competition. The smart move is to be like, let's even get on these country charts. (laughs) Like, (laughs) let's even get a number one country record. I'm like, good for you. Good for you, Lil Nas X, though we do need to talk about that name another time. I thought that it was like Nas's son. (laughs) I I was like, he got another one? (laughs) Why would he go by X, though? I don't know. He's the 10th Nas? Yeah. <laughs> Nas got 10 boys? <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of things we don't know about Nas. True. All right? Mm-hmm. Khalees has the secrets. She sure do. <laughs> you probably know about Lil Nas 1 through 9. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> uh, They're in the ether. I, I do like country music, though. Great. <laughs> what? Home Plate is a great album. Like I said, Bonnie Raitt is that girl. Uh, Leanne Rimes' second unpopular album was my first CD. But that's yes. my, the extent of my... I've seen Dolly. Have you? Yeah. Live? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, that, I'm actually kind of... And at Gelson's. What's Gelson? Uh, uh, I'm, I was joking, but it's a grocery store here. I'm sorry I killed your joke. It's a grocery store in LA. I don't shop for myself. All right, when we're back, (laughs) we're going to talk about Chris Rock and Jussie Smollett with Damon Young. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like 
basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Jesse Smollett might have had his charges dropped, but the court of public opinion rages on. At the NAACP Image Awards, my favorite awards show, uh, not really, um, over the weekend, comedian Chris Rock ripped into Jesse before presenting the award for Outstanding Comedy Series, which Blackish won. Um, he joked that they said no Jesse Smollett jokes, um, and then he continued with, what a waste of light skin. What the hell was he thinking? From now on, I ain't never going to say, Jesse, you're a Jesse from now on. You don't get the you anymore. That you was respect. You don't get no respect from me. Um, however, Yara Shahidi um, indicated her support by saying, I stand with Jesse when Blockish won the award. Uh, we are here with Damon Young from Very Smart Brothers. And other places of the internet, GQ, um, we were both there at the same time writing. And oh, wow. you now have your book, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker, which is great. Everyone needs to read it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, thank you. Yeah. What do you think about Chris? Um, I, I have many thoughts. About <laughs> <Chris> <laughs> <Rock>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> many, many, many thoughts about Chris Rock. Um, the, okay, so... The first thought that really comes to mind is I'm going to get you, sucker. (laughs) And that movie was released in, I think, 1987. And this was the first time I've seen Chris. I saw Chris Rock on screen. And so we're talking, what, 32 years? I'm not not great at math. So is that 32? It's like from 1987 to 19 to 2019. It is. 32. 32 years. Yeah. All right. Yay me. And so Chris Rock just turned 50 or he's like 51. 
He has been famous for a long ass fucking time. <laughs> He's been rich for a very long time. And so he is a part He's almost like, and he's one of my favorite comedians, but he has almost evolved into this almost like contemporary smooth jazz comedy (laughs) where he is, he is like the establishment now. Ah. And comedians are always, you know, comedians, at least the best ones, are positioned as these anti-establishment characters. And even though the Smollett joke was funny, and it was. I mean, and I, I fantasize also about what I could do. And I don't want to have light skin, but I do fantasize about, you know, <laughs> Whoa, would my credit funny. improve? Um, you know, just things of that nature. Would I get, you know, better seating on Southwest flights? Um, so those are things I do fantasize about. But Ray gets bad seating on Southwest. Yeah, flights. yeah, I don't definitely. go on Southwest. Light skin people don't get on Southwest. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And so it's it's just like. The joke was incomplete because you could start with with the Jussie jokes, which are jokes that people have had, you know, mm-hmm. privately. And then <laughs> the second and then the second part of the joke should be. But seriously, L.A. or Chicago PD, fuck this up. Can't trust the police. You know, something like that, that puts the that puts the entire situation in like in like a right context mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of just kind of throwing Jesse under the bus in front of everyone, especially when you are Chris Rock. Like, you are one of the richest people in that room. Mm-hmm. You know, you, he has that status now. He's a, he's a, he's middle, he's a middle age. He is the black Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld might be the white Chris Rock right now. <laughs> well, we all remember that video clip where Louis C.K. was saying nigga over and over, and, and Jerry Seinfeld was actually the only one who was like, um, maybe you shouldn't um, be hey saying guys. that. Hey, guys. Uh, the, funniest, the funniest person in that clip was Ricky Gervais, because he, he he was so excited. Right. Like, this, is, this is it. <laughs> I, I, came, I came to America just for this opportunity. My thing with to the say, ju- my to thing say with the nigger jokes. in front of a nigger. <laughs> my thing with the Jesse jokes, frankly, is that I remain so confused. Like, we don't really know. Like, I think we all have, like, our guesses and, like, assumptions mm. that we're making. But, like, none of us have any real idea what happened. So I'm just, like, this is, for me, it's still just, like, confusing. I'm, like, I don't really know. And, like, we can say, like, oh, he lied. Or we can say the police, you know, whatever. And it's, like... We truly have no goddamn idea because this has been the most convoluted, drawn out situation that it feels like we have ever experienced ever. I'm like, this will never end. And so I'm like, I don't even know what I'm joking about. Where's the Mueller report? On right? Justice? Like, seriously. Like, we need. Where is Rachel Maddow exactly. to break it down and be like, well, so Rahm Emanuel was doing this in 1978. Yeah, 30 minute A block. That's what I need. Chicago. That's what I need. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's enough um, confusion or whatever that looks suspicious on his end that you should be able to have a go at it. I, I take the point that, you know, there's some power dynamics at play where Chris Rock is clearly more influential and has more power and all that. 
But this is a public figure who got caught up in something that feels very ridiculous to a lot of people. And I don't feel like it's so out of bounds to call out how bogus that is. Now, like, of course, would it have been great if Chris had, like, taken the progressive step of calling out the Chicago PD? Absolutely. It would have been amazing. But he didn't. And I don't feel like you have to give away one joke because you didn't get to the other one. That You know, he's commenting on pop culture. That's like what comedians do. Do and I don't think there was anything wrong with. It. He wasn't in front of a white audience. He was with family. Like I think it was cool. It was the NAACP Image Awards. Like it wasn't like he was on stage at the Oscars trashing this black somebody. From well, that's people. preferable to when um, I wrote about when he um, dragged Jada yeah. at the Oscars in front of white people and that had white people me. laughing at her. Um, about how she was boycotting the Oscars with Will, and he was like, you know, like, you wasn't even going to get invited to the Oscars. Right. And I'm like, well, let's unpack why she wouldn't be invited. And um, I'm always on Jada's side in <laughs> that fight because she sent me flowers after I defended her. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> wait, wait. You know, white people have TVs, too. They have the Internet. And so <laughs> even if... You know, this wasn't a predominantly black audience and the NAACP Image Awards, which is a Vanta Black Award show. Um, like, I, I still think that, um, I don't know, I, I, it just felt hacky. Well, Damon, speaking of white audiences, how many white people do you think are going to read what kills you makes you, what doesn't kill you makes you blacker? <laughs> Um, hopefully tens of thousands. <laughs> That's the goal. Like, Maybe hundreds you, of thousands, like, ho- hopefully. I, I loved your book. And one of the things, like, one of the things I love about it is, like, obviously all of the things that I relate to and you feel. And that was one of the things that I think people love so much about Very Smart Brothers, which is, like, us sort of talking to each other and things that we understand. And so how do you feel about writing this book that is very Black? It's about very Black experiences and then having you know, white readers and, and, you know, whether they'll understand everything, whether they'll, you know, whether you've like told them some secrets that they didn't know about before. Like, did you have any sort of feelings around that when you're writing the book? You know what? I, um, so there's this, this notion that you want to subvert the white gaze, right? When you're creating a piece of art and you're a black person, you don't want to be cognizant of what white people think of what white people feel, of of how white people are going to judge you, of how they're going to assess you. Um, and I attempted to do that with this book, where the language was very intentional, the stories I told was very intentional, um, and it was a very intentionally black book um, that, you know, in, involves aspects that are universal with uh, the self-consciousness, the anxiety, the neuroses, the the fear, the doubt, the lying. All, all Those are universal um, concepts and feelings. So, but at the same time, so I created this black piece of art, but I did it for a white publishing company. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a white editor who was great. Denise Hallwall is great. Um, and so am I really subverting the white gaze if I'm creating this very black thing, but the gatekeepers are still white? Mm. Mm. Yes, Tony Morrison would have a lot of about that. <laughs> um, and and you know and you know what too? It's like that that question wasn't necessary or on on the list of 
of concerns or anxieties that I have about this entire process, that wasn't at the top of this. That wasn't at the top of the list. The uh, the primary one, and it still is a primary one, is that there's so much like very vulnerable, very transparent, and and somewhat unflattering um, shit in the book, mm-hmm. and just that people are going to read this. And these are things that some of these things I haven't admitted to the people's closest to me, to the people closest to me. Mm-hmm. And people are going to read it. They're going to assess it. They're going to be they're going to have book clubs about this shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're going to be reviews and, and there already have been reviews and national publications about this. And that that still scares me shitless. Like I'm asked frequently if I'm excited, you know, oh, you must be so excited. Your book came out and you're on your you're on tour and you're doing all these things. I keep seeing your name. I even saw some graffiti with your name on it the other day. Are you excited? And I am waiting for excited to get here. (laughs) Um, Like excited might be like at a rest stop and taking a nap because it was a long journey. And like excited needs to download ways and get ways (laughs) so they can get here quicker. Because right now, all I still feel is like this anxiety. A lasagna of anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the um, chapters that I really uh, connected with when you were talking about being vulnerable was uh, when you wrote about being a substitute teacher in high school and the students (laughs) thought you were gay. Uh Um, Because it's, it's funny because, you know, like as a gay person, I've had that moment when I've been in that classroom where if the students aren't speculating about is the teacher gay? They're speculating about me. And it's weird because mm-hmm. I remember engaging in conversations about whether a teacher or whether another student was while also being like, I'm glad that the focus is not on me. Mm-hmm. And it is that interesting, you know, dichotomy of, you know, like wanting to seem like hyper masculine in a way that sort of offsets what people think being gay is is especially when you're young and you're like in the black community and so it was interesting to see you tackle that subject yeah and that was um that was a chapter that really i guess articulated just the whole concept of performance mm-hmm. and and that's a recurring theme throughout the book where so there's this 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 hyper hetero hyper masculine ideal that so many yeah, young young men, particularly young black men, attempt to reach, or 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 are told that you're supposed to aspire to, and anything that doesn't, if you don't reach that, if you if you aren't if you aren't able to 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 reach those heights, then sometimes you're thought of as less than, as less masculine, as less manly, as even less black. Um, and so in order to fill the gap between who you are. And that ideal, that that's where that performance is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I you know, I talk about this in the chapter where this rumor started while I was teaching at the at the high school. And my way to to kind of alleviate it was to remind everyone in the school that I play basketball too, mm-hmm. as if the basketball thing was a way to like, oh yeah, he's a you know he's 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 a man's man, yeah, he could hoop, yeah, that nigga. That nigga got game. So, you know, you know, he's not whatever. Even even realizing that that means nothing. Like I could still play basketball and not be straight. Like that again, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But I was so hyper concerned about the performance 
that I would pantomime basketball moves in a hallway going to class. <laughs> I would, um, you know, if I would walk into a classroom, I would like dunk over the doorway. Yeah, if there was a um a trash can that was that I had if there was a trash can under my desk, I would move it like ten feet away so that <laughs> every time I had to throw some trash away, it would become like this three point contest. <laughs> and so doing all these things, like even like awkwardly inserting basketball references to 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 lesson plans. Like you need to cross your teeth and dot your eyes. Like I crossed the shit out of Baron Davis back in nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> you know, and, and just doing these little like things that let everyone know, like, oh, he hoops. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's cool. Um, when you've tried to engage with, like, or or subvert sort of these ideals about, like, black hyper male, like, hyper masculinity, um, have you met resistance from people who are sort of married to the the stereotype or really committed to keeping it? Like, how, how is your relationship to uh, your black masculinity um, been greeted by the public or other people with whom you try to discuss it. You know, you know what's funny about that is that there there was so much fear and so much anxiety, and there still is, with um with admitting that 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 the performance was a performance. Mm-hmm. But since I've just kind of just been like, hey, this is me, this is who I am, it has been met with I, I I don't know. People have it hasn't been met with antagonism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think that there are a lot of us that are kind of just waiting for one or two people just to be like, "Yeah, this is some bullshit," mm-hmm. and so everyone else can say, "Yeah." Like it's almost like you're watching a movie and no one really gets it, and you're kind of waiting for like that one person to say, "Man, that was some fuck shit." I, I don't care, <laughs> and you're waiting for everyone else, and, and you're waiting for that one person. To, to pop the balloon so everyone else, you know, kind of says, yeah, this, I, I'm glad you said it because I don't want to say it. And well, we don't have to talk about us right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't seen it yet. I still haven't seen it. I've been on tour. I haven't had a chance to see it. And my wife hates scary movies. So, so there's that. So I'm going to have to find some time to, to, maybe I'll take my daughter, take a three-year-old to see, to see a horror movie. But, um, I mean, she already lives in America, so she's used to it. Um, she's used to it. And so... And so, yeah, I, um, it hasn't been met with like with the sort of resistance that I anticipated. Yeah. At least not as an adult. Now, now, if I had been like this self-aware, self-assured, or whatever, when I was eighteen or nineteen or twenty, then maybe the resistance would have been, you know, a little bit more more prominent. But again, in my thirties, and just like, hey, this is I, I'm I'm done with this. Yeah, it ha- it hasn't been met with. Um, with that sort of like antagonism. No, what that we could as like teenagers, you know, I if I had the awareness, I would not have made my mom buy FUBU for me <laughs> just so I could fit in. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're on the subject of like gender issues, um, we talk a lot in the show about men who do awful, terrible, stupid shit. Um, mm-hmm. which and you are you are not one of them, but you have a there's a story you tell in your book about an essay that you wrote that in retrospect or like maybe 10 minutes after you had published, you realized you were on the wrong side of an argument about rape. And one of the things I love about that chapter is like we talk a lot about sort of like redemption and apologies and what it looks like. And this was a really good example of someone making something right in a real way 
because you actually cared. <laughs> um, so it probably fundamentally starts with you respecting women at all. And then you tend to apologize well. But one of the things I loved was how much you listened to the women in your book. And if you feel like now that you have sort of atoned for that misstep. You know, I, um, Kara, I want to kind of go back what, what something that you said that it wasn't a terrible, awful thing because it was, mm. you know, it, um, you know, it wasn't a physically violent thing, but it was an emotionally and spiritually violent thing that I, um, that I wrote. <clears throat> and, um, you know, VSB for so many people was this like this safe space where you could come, you could, you know, re read about pop culture, read about politics and politic with like-minded people, you know, maybe didn't agree on everything, but it was a safe space. And so had putting that, publishing that piece um, disrupted that and disrupted that in a very violent manner. And, and I guess to answer your question about the atonement, I think that that's a lifelong process, you know, where, you know, of course, the first step is recognizing what you did. Um, and, and, and then trying to figure out, okay, what was inside of me? What was, what, what, what compelled me to think this? What compelled me to do it? And then interrogating those compulsions and interrogating those experiences or, or whatever led up to whatever decision that was made. But then even after all that happens, you know, you still, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Like, you still have to be an actively, you know, I, in, in a chapter I talk about just the fallacy of the good, the good guy, where being good, at least the way we define it culturally, means that a, a man kept himself safe and that didn't really do shit to move the needle, just, just existed inert, you know, has like this inexhaustible alibi and doesn't really do anything to protect, doesn't do anything to shield, doesn't do anything to amplify. And so if you are a person who possesses a privilege, you know, and as, as a man I do, then, and you fuck up like that, then that, at, that atonement is a, is, a, is a recurring loop. It's a, it's a never-ending process, I think, because... I don't know. It, 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 you just get to a place where you just don't want to be a person who causes harm. And you don't want to create spaces that cause harm, particularly that cause harm to to, to black women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and yeah, so, you know, I've, you know, I, I hope that I've evolved you know, since then and grown since then. This was in 2011 or 2012 when I when I wrote that, but I'm not done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, no, I appreciate that that's where you were coming from because so much of what we talk about when people have to confront their past, you know, whether it's um, something like an Aziz Ansari or even like a Louis C.K. or like even Kevin Hart, you know, it's the idea of, do you actually feel remorse for what you did? And are you continuing to do the work beyond an apology? Everyone can do an apology. 
You know, mm-hmm. like a publicist can write that and you can move on with your life and pretend it didn't happen. Or are you the kind of person who will address it in the future, you know? And, um, you know, I always appreciated Very Smart Brothers as well. Um, you know, I just loved seeing a place that was a pop culture place and seeing Black people write about pop culture. Um, and I want to thank you for you know, creating that space. Um, thank you for this book, which is great, and people should buy it. Um, what doesn't kill you makes you blacker. Yes. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I am not dead yet, knock on wood, so I am black as fuck. <laughs> Damon, I have to tell you, I was at the last bookstore downtown in L.A., which is like a really famous bookstore. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, I in retrospect, it was the day your book came out, and I was like, where's Damon's book? And they were like, oh, they, they like lag a little. They don't have like super new books. But then the dude wrote it down. I'm like harassing this white man. I was like, <laughs> go get this book. And then he was like, what's what's the title? And I was like, what doesn't kill you makes you blacker. And he loved it. So I'm out here trying to sell some books. Um, I'm glad that the book is making you harass white people. I, that, that was that was the intent. That's the whole point. <laughs> That's the whole point. It's for for black people to harass white booksellers all around the country. Like, where the fuck is this book? Why the fuck don't you have this? Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I'm yeah. So thank you. Yes. for it'll be for, there soon. You know, Okay, well, thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, we will be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Last week, George Clooney took to the hard news outlet of Deadline, <laughs> Deadline, which hates writers and wants to fuck every agent in Hollywood. Can I briefly say I got a quote? I was quoted in Deadline after one of the WGA meetings and this reporter followed us out and he asked if I was a writer. And he was like, what's the mood in there? And I said, United. And he said, anything else? And I said, what's a synonym for United? <laughs> and I made it onto deadline. <laughs> Wait, but isn't that a silly question? If you're the writer's is, guild? It, isn't it a silly? Yes, yeah, it is. Ray, okay. Ray, it is All a right. silly question. He was, he was expected to find like, you hate on them, right? Because <laughs> right. we hate them. 
Um, George Clooney wrote in Deadline an op-ed calling for the boycott of a series of hotels, including the Beverly Hills Hotel, the Hotel Bel Air, and six others. The boycott is in protest of the owner, the Sultan of Brunei, who is set tomorrow to pass a series of strict anti-LGBTQ Sharia laws that would implement a death sentence to all those who engage in homosexual acts or adultery in his country. Damn, adultery too? Yeah. Kill all them cheating That hoes. seems like a lot. <laughs> lo- that's a lot of people. Homosexual acts and adultery, that's like your whole damn country. No, literally, <laughs> he will be the only person yeah. Because <laughs> people don't know about his adultery, probably. Exactly. He probably is like, I'm king. I'm a sultan. I never do adultery. Everything I do is <laughs> considered in wedlock. Uh, the Sultan of Brunei is one of the richest men in the world. He mm-hmm. owns the Brunei Investment Agency, which owns a series of ultra-luxe hotels, um, and a couple years ago, um, I actually remember when celebrities were boycotting those ho- mm-hmm. hotels due to his treatment of the LGBT community mm-hmm. then. Um, but now Clooney says, uh, like all good intentions, when the white heat of outrage moves on to the hundred other reasons to be outraged, the focus dies down and slowly these hotels get back to the business of business. And the Brunei Investment Agency counts on that. Do you think Amal Ghost wrote that essay? <laughs> she is a lawyer, a barrister. She's the smart one. Yeah, she. she, she I believe she, it. She didn't pass on that draft. I'm also game with just crediting a woman for every man's. Yeah, thought. exactly. They yeah. To us. She wrote that. He Amal was, wrote the hell out of it. You know what? That. Amal was Amal was ranting about this, and George is on his phone, just secretly typing out every word she said, <laughs> and then he like emails it to exactly. to Deadline. Exactly. I mean, George has always been kind of smart. No, he is. I'm just, I want to give him, I'm just giving him all the credit. He Mm -hmm. did leave ER and get a successful movie career. He did. He did. Sure, that's pretty savvy. Yeah. To come off doctor shows. Well, nobody go to these hotels (laughs) in case you were planning on a weekend. This is a very easy boycott for me, by the way. (laughs) I know, right? I will say, I'm like happy to boycott. I'm like, this is. Fuck the Beverly Hills Hotel. (laughs) Totally was going there on Saturday, (laughs) but now not getting a dime from me. (laughs) I prefer the Chateau Marmont. I'm I'm just happy that like Kara was like shut up Ira. I was lucky this coffee is not hot (laughs) anymore. Um, I'm just happy. Look, there's a lot of opportunities for celebrities to not use their voice. Somebody choose not to. Here's a guy who's cognizant of at least something, and he's gonna make an effort to. Obviously, this isn't (laughs) instructions for us normals, but (laughs) it is it is important to see somebody with such influence and sway sort of say, look, this is this is fucked up, this is abusive. And you guys, I'm making it cool to not fuck with this. And people like to follow, especially cool people with a lot of money. So hopefully all the rich friends, you know, divest from them too and hopefully make some changes. I don't think that'll do much. Right. Like I don't think the kind of person who in 2019 is like, oh, let's uh, make it illegal to be a human. Um is going to be swayed by this, no, at least become, not immediately. They'll become vice president. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they will. Oh, my God. Start an AIDS epidemic in their home state. But, um, but like, truly, I just, I think it's cool and it's a step, you know? Yeah, um, like Elton John joined in the boycott. Yeah, um, and I remember a lot of the celebrities uh, who joined the protest a few years ago. I'm sure they are back to joining the protest. But, you know, it's like the Beverly Hills Hotel and stuff is where 
there's always just like events and stuff there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like George Clooney writing about it will at least keep people from being like, let's throw a junket here mm -hmm. or something like that. Well, the, then the problem is, is that this is something ideally, right? You'd want the U.S. government mm -hmm. to respond to. Right. But since we have a, <laughs> we have an idiot and a homophobe in office. So these dummies aren't going to because, right, like in theory, like boycotting the hotels in it in absolutely yes and it's a great show of support and all of that is probably not going to bankrupt mm -hmm. the sultan of brunei no. mm -hmm. so what you want is the government to respond to it in a way that could actually hurt him and could actually move the needle but since we have these morons in office it's like we got to be out here boycotting shit yeah and doing it on our own and hoping that this will do something speaking of assholes um bill maher <laughs> uh, did not agree with george clooney did <laughs> and, he not and he said brunei has passed a law that you will be stoned to death if you are gay or committed adultery and here we come back with the call from Hollywood celebrities to boycott the Beverly Hills Hotel. This really bothers me because it's chicken shit tokenism. What about Saudi Arabia? If you really want to get back at them, stop driving or using oil. That's so stupid. That is so stupid. They pay him to talk? That's crazy. HBO does. A lot. Um, it's it, That's really dumb. The idea that because we haven't solved another problem elsewhere that you can't attack an issue somewhere. George Clooney is not the president of the United States. He's not going to break treaties with Saudi Arabia himself. I don't know. Like, that seems ridiculous to say that it's not valid because it isn't the way that you want to solve it. What are you doing, Bill Maher? What's your solution? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you know he's doing nothing. Gosh, all he's doing is sweating on TV. That's crazy. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. Like, oh, we shouldn't do anything. Oh, and it's such an easy punching bag. Oh, Hollywood liberals, they don't do anything. It's a great way to just keep people sort of complacent and not acting. Let's mock people for caring about something, and then we'll just get everybody to care about nothing. It's not interesting. It's not funny. It's not edgy. I hate that shit. Which is also wild because literally the rich Hollywood celebrities are the only people who can really afford these hotels. Right. So them choosing the boycott is actually fucking with the hotel's money. Right. Can I, this is slightly off topic. In Bruna, I've never been. I don't know what it's, I don't know what it's like there. But Love like the a lot of this, scene a lot of this seems like <laughs> it could be solved if nobody snitches. Like, hey guys, don't like how are they figuring out that you committed adultery like that's my question oh yeah i'm sure people like, are telling all the yeah time. i'm like yeah. everyone stop snitching on each other i mean a lot of that comes from you know like a family or something mm -hmm. you know of like especially when it comes to um if you're gay in um countries like this you know the idea that it in sort of brings shame to mm -hmm. the family if you're gay so you know a lot of it may be you know the person close to you who right. is like um I'm snitching that you're gay because if the, you know, whole neighborhood finds out about it, they're going to think that we're up in here, you know, I don't know, watching Queer as Folk season three. But also when you hyper focus on a marginalized identity, you don't need... um you don't need like facts, right? You just need to to have somebody willing to sacrifice somebody else to mm -hmm. to save themselves. And even if we're not even thinking about shame, what if the somebody knocks on your door and is like, "Are you gay? I'm not gay, but my friend over there is." And that's the sort of frenzy and fear that this kind of mm -hmm. policy brings up and out of people. It's terrible. No, there's been people in countries too um who have been just accused of being gay, you mm -hmm. know, and they're not even gay, you know. It's just like 
Salem witch trials going on yeah. over there. Um, it's, I mean, it's sort of like in the U.S. when ICE is targeting immigrants and then you find out that they're targeting people who aren't even in here illegally. Mm-hmm. They're just like, you don't look white. So yeah. mm-hmm. let me be up in your house and like check your papers and harass you all day. Like, I don't see them looking for um, the Swedes in the line at Squirrel. <laughs> That's a real L.A. reference that, frankly, you should be glad if you don't get it. (laughs) So, everyone, let's cancel our trips to Brunei. Yeah. Cancel those reservations at the Bel Air Hotel. I really, really wanted to see their version of Phantom of the Opera, but I guess I will not. It's a no-go. We're going to Brunei this summer. I've never been to that side of L.A. I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> oh, <Bella. laughs> I'm good. Beyonce didn't invite me to her pajama party, you know, so. <laughs> uh, when we're back, keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the week. As always, it is Keep It. Kara. got something to get off your chest. I got something to get off my chest. So at the NAACP Awards this weekend, Beyonce and her husband graced the awards with their presence. Mm. She came in all white, looking good as shit. With a hat? With a hat. Mm. And um, I guess during a commercial break or a lull in the ceremony, you know, she's very famous. People are coming up. They're saying hello to her. They're greeting her. Now, there's a man named Omari Hardwick, who they tell me is on a show called Power. Um, Omari strolled up there. I assume he and Beyonce met about 12 years ago at a Tyler Perry play. (laughs) Probably haven't seen each other since then. Strolls up to her, gives her a kiss on the cheek. Okay, a hug. And then another damn kiss way too close to her mouth. And you see her and she looks visibly uncomfortable with that amount of contact. Now, first of all, who the fuck are you, Amari? Amari, you were kissing this. You were kissing Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter on her mouth. You have lost your goddamn mind, period. The other thing is Jay-Z is also standing right there. And which is not to say, like, I don't want to be on some like patriarchal bullshit where like, you know, she's owned by her husband or any of that. But like, that's also just fucking disrespectful. And I think the larger point people should take away is this man is willing to completely invade her personal space, a famous person in public with cameras around, with her husband standing right there. What do you think is happening to women all over the world Mm -hmm. when none of that shit is there? They're still invading our space. They're still touching us. They're still giving us all this unwanted bullshit. And we don't have the luxury of, you know, an entire fandom willing to put bees in someone's Instagram mentions for eight days <laughs> telling them that they ain't shit. And more to the point, too, it's like men have no idea. If your personal space was invaded the way women's our space is invaded on an hourly basis, you would lose your goddamn minds. None of you would know what the fuck to do. You'd all be MRA activists by the end of the day with one day of what we have to put up with. And like, listen, maybe they are friends. Maybe it's it's a, it was a friendly, maybe it was unintentional, but I think it just really speaks to like the gall that these men have. And like really the, they think that they have the right 
to our bodies and to our space in a way that they do not do that shit with men. You didn't see him kissing goddamn Jay-Z on the mouth, mm-hmm. did you? They don't do that to men. They only do it to other women. Keep your fucking hands to yourself. I would love just to, like, kiss those camel lips. You know, oh, Jay-Z. <laughs> um, no, it was wild um, seeing that. And also, it, it, it was just reminding me of how... Um, People go crazy defending men when they do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen with this week with the Joe Biden thing, too, mm-hmm. where Alyssa Milano lost her goddamn mind last night on Twitter with a 15 tweet thread about right. how Joe Biden is a friend of mine and I love his values. And I think that he would be great for president of the United States. And it's like, Sis, weren't you just tweeting about right, Chrissy about, Blasey Ford? Aren't you part of Time's Up? I just, like, fundamentally... And, like, listen, I see men who are, like... Listen, if you want to get real simple with it, I see straight men who, like, will kiss other straight men. Like, they're friends, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? They'll give them a Whatever. Like, they show affection to each other. And... But the type of... Like, the shit Joe Biden is doing, like, rubbing noses with motherfuckers. Like, you don't... You're not doing that to men. You're Rudolph. not rubbing... Right. <laughs> you're not rubbing noses with other men. And so that's my thing where it's like, if you're not kissing and if you're not going to go kiss Jay-Z as close to the mouth as you did Beyonce, then maybe you shouldn't do it to her. No. And also just like going back to this Alyssa Milano thing, I didn't see the tweets, but there is this weird compulsion on the part of women sometimes to come out and defend a man that they love and they know intimately against some accusation another woman um makes, even if they are the self-professed leader of like a movement. And that compulsion is so bizarre to me. You don't know what people do when you are not around. <laughs> you can't, you are not his daddy. Even his daddy wouldn't know what he would do. But you, like this idea that you know people so well that when they're not in your presence, they aren't misbehaving. It's like, oh, like he, I've never seen him take a shit, so I know he doesn't take a shit. That's bogus. That's absolutely there's a person who told you what her reality was and you are telling her that her reality isn't real because it's more important to you to save the reality that you have that your friend is not doing anything that harms other people that's fucked up should never do that especially women we're the only ones who understand intimately Melissa Alyssa Milano is tiny she's not just a woman she's a tiny one so I'm sure her space gets invaded all the time and the idea that you would be actively fighting on behalf is all I would say if I was compelled to say anything, which I don't think I would be, is that's not the man I know. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. We know him differently. And Mm -hmm. then we could keep it moving. The idea that she would gaslight somebody else into not understanding what happened to them or try to get the the crowd to rally around the person who's accused of making people uncomfortable is horrible to me. It's gross. And I... I like men just the first woman in your life who you see today, like ask her the last time someone touched her in a place, in a way for a period, you know, for a length of time in a way that they didn't appreciate or they didn't want to. Mm -hmm. It probably happened 15 minutes minutes ago. ago, And like it happens all the time. And I think men just they don't even they can't even conceptualize it Mm -hmm. because it does not happen to you. And it's also not threatening to you in the way that it is with women where you you feel like, first of all, dudes, 
women get murdered for mm-hmm. rejecting the advances of men. And so you in those situations, too, you freeze up. You you saw that clip of Beyonce where she she was she looked very so uncomfortable and she knows there's like a 100 cameras on her. Mm-hmm. So she knows that she can't react the way that she might have wanted to react, which might have been what the fuck are you doing? Get off of me or whatever it would have been. She can't react like that because she's going to look like she's overreacting. Mm-hmm. She's going to look like she's acting crazy. He was just being friendly. He was just saying hi. That's what the narrative would have been. Mm-hmm. And that's what we every single day. That's what we're having to grapple with. And also just like one more thing. I was really disappointed that it was Omari at that event because like here's this powerful black couple trying to do things like skip the Grammys and, you know, go to places where we're recognized and appreciated and like believed in. And like Beyonce brings herself to this like (laughs) event that would have killed, I'm sure. I've been trying to get Shorty for years (laughs) and she shows up and the first one of the first things that happens to her is someone invades her personal space like that. I'm I don't think she'll associate it with black events or the NAACP Image Awards. I hope not. And I don't think she will. But it's just disappointing that this woman who's so empowerful, impactful and powerful and like wanted to be there to celebrate our own gets violated by our own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, speaking of this topic, my keep it is uh, about the men online who um, (laughs) are not arguing in good faith when it comes to Cardi B and this old video of her where she talks about, you know, I did what I had to do. You know, I would drug men. I would rob them, et cetera. Um, Talking about... um, canceling Cardi B, using the whack-ass hashtag surviving Cardi B to equate it Mm -hmm. with R. Kelly was disgusting to me. Yeah, I saw that shit and I was like, is this a new song? (laughs) clicked on the hashtag and I was like oh no well close up shop (laughs) Um, and a lot of it too was just greasy barbs (laughs) greasy Nikki fans (laughs) who hate her and her chart success Um, tell Nikki to go make a country song I don't know (laughs) Um, but um, it was the idea that Cardi even if she had done this was anywhere on the same level of you know, repeatedly raping They were comparing women. it to men who drug and rape women. They compared it to when Rick Ross rapped about, like, put a Molly in her drink, she don't even know it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think he was doing that to take um, $20 out of her purse. Yeah, you know, the other thing people forget about Cardi is, and she, she in no way has defended it, she apologized, she was a sex worker, mm-hmm. which is a dangerous fucking profession. Mm-hmm. And none of us, most of us know nothing about it. I know something yeah. and it's scary. <laughs> yeah. And like, so most of the people having this conversation have, first of all, they don't know what it's like to be vulnerable as a woman. Nope. And then they don't know what it's like to be vulnerable as a woman of color. Mm-hmm. And then a sex worker of color. Like you are getting to a group of people that just no one is interested in protecting. And so it's not good what she did, but you also, people do things all of the all the time to like, survive and get by. And it's also a position that I know almost none of us can imagine being in. And so for you to make a judgment call on like what you would or wouldn't have done or what you shouldn't shouldn't have done is crazy. Mm -hmm. I think I I agree with you. I think I'm glad she apologized. And I love that she reiterated that not only is she not proud of these things, but these aren't the kind of things she glorifies in her music. Mm -hmm. Um, She does glorify gangster stuff, no lie. But she's not in rap songs talking about, you know, robbing dudes after the strip club, drugging them, whatever. 
And I think that that's like a valid thing to take into consideration when you're thinking about whether or not she's been accountable or shown like any contrition. Um, yeah, it's bad faith. These men weren't saying, let's take Cardi and R. Kelly down. They're saying, well, since you're trying to get this dude, let's get this girl. It's 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 ugly. It's It's nasty. And it's that same sort of false equivalence thing where you're sort of comparing robbing someone for money, which is still a violation, to the violation of a sexual assault. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane. Never mind that most of the rappers that we listen to. Rob and most of the everybody. People, like <laughs> Biggie, shoot him up. Jay-Z talking about robbing oh my people, God. selling crack in the Marcy Project. It's like, these are the things that they still rap about, too. Mm-hmm. So... What is the difference here? I mean, Bobby Shmurda went to jail for rapping about crimes he really committed. <laughs> like, like, and I love Bobby. Uh, like, you know. Free Bobby. Yeah, free and Bobby. JT. Bobby has been, it is crazy. <laughs> free Bobby and JT. Bobby has been in prison for, for like so like, long. So he long. was famous for like a year, a year and then was like, has been in prison since then. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's awful. And, and I, you know, it's awful what happens to, you know, rappers and where a lot of them come from and sort of the ills of poverty and racism and all this sort of institutionalized stuff that leads people in these directions. And yes, there's personal accountability and all that. But like, instead of trying to like, you know, punish people for sort of having past bad acts and, you know, attempted to rectify, like, let's have an honest conversation about what's happening and not try to score points because you want to keep bopping to step in the name of love. These are the same people that like when Bill Cosby went to jail and it's like, well, what about the white, like, like white guys get away with raping women all the time. And it's like, that is not the fucking bar, guys. (laughs) Like that was like every time it's like, well, rich white guys get away with it. So the rich black guy should too. Like you're just like you're showing your ass you're showing your true colors and like it is such a it's such a bad faith stupid argument mm-hmm. ray <laughs> <laughs> yes what's your keep it um guys, <laughs> we are going we are going the men, the men are not having a good day today <laughs> um my keep it is for conspiracy theories <laughs> Uh, it's been a rough time on the internet. Um, wonderful, brilliant Nipsey Hussle was murdered this past Sunday, which is an awful thing. And he was murdered in front of his own clothing store um, in uh, in in uh, L.A., South L.A., on Crenshaw and Slauson, I think. Um, and so the there's a suspect that the LAPD has identified and um, but before we got that identification, there were lots of people talking about how uh, the government got Nipsey because he was making a documentary about a holistic healer named Dr. CB, I think. Um, and this man <laughs> had apparently gone to trial for sort of practicing medicine without a license. I guess he'd been considered a fraud. I don't know too much about Dr. CB, but I am confident that a documentary about him is not on the government's <laughs> list of things to eliminate right now. Right now. now. And uh, and it was the idea that he cured AIDS. That's what they think Dr. CB did. Yeah. And I don't think (laughs) that Trump cares (laughs) is is what I'm saying. And, And look, this isn't me trying to diminish the power of this person's loss. Like, obviously, when 
incredibly tragic, awful things happen. People need to sort of attach meaning to somebody. If you love someone, you need to give them greater significance. And I understand that grief is a weird fucked up thing. It is also a weird fucked up thing to open the internet and find people saying that you agreed with the Illuminati to sacrifice your heart, your partner. That's an evil thing to say about someone. And I feel bad for her. And the most recent one, the LAPD has released the identity of the suspect that they're after. His name happens to be Eric Holder. <laughs> when I first saw that, before I saw the photo, I was like, what? this is... <laughs> This, they were right. They were outlet. right. <laughs> and and look. What about I, gerrymandering, nigga? <laughs> I thought that you were on the. You're stumping for people. You're out here working with Obama, trying to redistrict. <laughs> you murdering Nipsey, <laughs> Nipsey yeah. asshole. In the meantime, anyway, look, folks, N words. Eric Holder, AG, did not murder the the rapper that we also love. And it just is insane. We I know that like black folk especially have a lot of reason to be skeptical yeah, and I was not trust say, well, the government yeah. and all that. I'm not mocking skepticism. I'm mocking insanity. Like there's one thing to be like, okay, you know, let's consider what's behind what movements were this person, was this person behind? Or, you know, you think about Fred Hampton and I I get it, but I don't think that that's what's happened. Sometimes it is just crazy, freakish people doing crazy, freakish things. And I'm sorry that you feel such a great loss, but you got to stop saying yeah, he, he like he got killed that, by the FBI. That absolutely was not the case. I think one thing that's a helpful contextualization is like when you think of the bullshit that the government has pulled on black people mm -hmm. since the day we rolled up here. You c it helps to understand why people gravitate towards mm -hmm. conspiracy theories. You hear about like the Tuskegee experiments yeah. and you're like, that sounds fucking yeah, crazy. And totally. that shit was real as hell. And so you have a bunch of people who generationally, you know, like have seen the government lie. They've mm -hmm. seen other, they've seen institutions supposedly that are there to protect them lie and whatever. So you get why they kind of think it, but it is not, it is not where our head should be at. And right. they didn't kill me. They snatched Hussle. Henrietta Lacks' DNA. Right. I mean, like I had like my great grandfather owned a sawmill that was really successful and he quote unquote committed suicide. Mm. Pretty sure the white people in the town did not like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have this, we have this, and I think like so many black Americans have stories like that. Of course. And so you just know you, you're naturally skeptical and you're not trusting things, but this ain't it. Like read white rage. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know, read that book. Right. You know, there's there's a history of black people doing very successful things right. post um I mean, slavery, of, post reconstruction. Yeah, black and then Wall they were, Street. They yeah. were wiped out by white people. Um but I, I truly, mass. I truly I just think most of all, and so you're gonna run yourself crazy crazy because even if it even if some crazy conspiracy is out there you ain't getting to it right. um not on lipstick alley anyway <laughs> and, but also just like for me it's just imagining you've just lost your partner suddenly in a horrific, tragic way. And it's enough that he's a public figure and mm -hmm. everywhere you go, every news outlet, every paper is going to show your dead partner's face. And then to have all these people who don't, I don't think, mean you any harm 
say hurtful, like mean things or in, unintentionally hurtful things. Alex it Jones feels, thing. Yeah, it feels really. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect example. Sandy Hook, all that speculating. Yeah. It, it's hurtful. It's also, people. Alex Jones may be about like he is not doing well in these court nope. battles. So <laughs> no. I would watch out because, yeah. you know, they'll send your black ass to jail. When you have to prove it. Then you start saying, oh, um, I was just playing a character. <laughs> they'll search all of you on Twitter. Uh, no, lastly, I will just say that uh, that is a good thing to think about, you know, just when people die. Unless they're like Scalia or Reagan, you know, and like actually like hurting and harming communities. Like maybe just keep your mouth shut, you know, mm-hmm. like I could have been all up on Twitter talking about how Nipsey hustles and some sideways things right. about gay people some. last year. Some. A lot of things yeah. that were pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I was like, Lauren London's grieving. I like her. You know, some people, some other people are grieving, you, you know, could, and it's mean, like, you could say it yeah, too, you can, but I just mean, don't take be it, vicious. Yes. There's, there's a taking into account the totality of a human. When a mm-hmm. person dies, all of them dies. Right. Yes. So it's not like the good parts move on and the mm-hmm. bad part. No, they all die. And it's fair to talk about it, but talking about it and speculating that your, his wife joined with the Illuminati to end the music contract. That's crazy. This is also a quick keep it to all the people who keep commenting on P Diddy's Instagram. Oh, yeah. Many times he posts a picture of Kim who died uh, late last year. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, you didn't marry her? You people have lost your lost fucking your mind. mind. You are cr- You don't know these people. People on Instagram are... They're terrible. Wild. They are just like... And he's like... <laughs> I, he keeps responding like, I know I should have married I her. Up. Which, you know what? I don't know why he's responding to these <laughs> idiots anyway. Imagine what kind of grief you have to be in that you are Diddy. You are one of the few people who can say self-made black billionaire very soon. And and you've lost your partner and you're so fucked up about it that you are on the internet talking to strangers, explaining wh- how sad you are. This man is out of sorts. And the fact that people are like piling on to yeah. be like, I got one over on Sean Diddy Combs. <laughs> yeah. like, it's bogus. Go harass NeNe yeah. Leaks like, on Instagram. Not, <laughs> not, not, not Diddy. She's fat shaming pregnant people. Like, <laughs> go handle her. Uh, the last thing uh, before we end this, this wild episode um, I actually did have a very positive Nipsey Hustle moment today. Okay. Um, early in the morning, my um very white spin instructor <laughs> was like, um, guys, I just want to let you know that um that uh, a member of the LA community who did a lot to uplift people in this community um, died tragically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to play his song. Grinding every day for you all (laughs) uh, to remind you all, you know, that we should be grinding. And how much grinding did you guys do in that spin class? I mean, listen, I I turned up my torque and got it. Yes. Yes, (laughs) Nipsey. In Nipsey's honor, you turned up that torque. (laughs) That's our episode. Uh, Do not forget that Keep It will be live May 14th at the Regent Theater in downtown L.A., Get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. And next week, we'll see you. Have you enjoyed this podcast? I don't know what we have said. I don't know what we've done. But here's hoping you enjoyed it. (laughs) And if you enjoyed it, then you'll love Blackout, a new apocalyptic thriller starring Academy Award winner Rami Malek. 
<laughs> because this was keep it is definitely a post-apocalyptic thriller. <laughs> Star of Bohemian Rhapsody and Mr. Robot. Blackout is a sensory jarring journey through a small town community trying to hold itself together in the dark. That's what we do when Lewis isn't here. This is true. Yeah. We just we held ourselves together. Barely. We, we needed, needed someone in here just I don't know. Talking about Kramer versus Kramer. Should we replace Lewis with Rami Malek? Uh, I think people might revolt. Yeah. Yeah. But I would enjoy it. And you'll be hooked on this show. <laughs> the first two episodes dropped last week. And episode three of Blackout is out today. All right. Blackout is dropping. It's dropping. <laughs> Go listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 